And they really started to get a feel for, hey, this is this is the real deal. Like this actually helps me uh, cook better. It helps me not ruin really expensive cuts of meat. You're listening to Over the Air, IoT, Connected Devices, and The Journey, brought to you by Very. In each episode, we have sharp, unfiltered conversations with executives about their IoT journeys, the mistakes they made, the lessons they learned, and what they wish they'd known when they started. Welcome back to Over the Air, IoT Connected Devices and the Journey. My name is Ryan Prosser, CEO of Vary, and today we're joined by Jason Baker of Green Mountain Grills. Today, we're going to be talking about infusing technology into a product that historically has had none, in this case, barbecue grills. Jason, thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. So, all right, let's let's start with uh, the big one, the, the contentious one. So, grills, people have been cooking meat over fires for millennia with zero technology. Here comes Green Mountain Grills. And they're saying, hey, we've got a great idea. Let's let's infuse some tech, some, some connected capabilities into this. Let's start with, with that. What was uh what was the thinking? What was what's the science in play here that led you guys to believe, hey, there's a real opportunity to do something big here? Yeah, so I have to go back to 2010 to start that uh, thinking process because it really started about then when we put an RF controller on. Uh, a barbecue grill. So we put this uh, controller uh, that was just like a radio controller to talk to the grill. And you had maybe 50, 75 feet max, right? So you're you're utilizing this device to raise and lower temperature, see the uh, temperature, internal temperature of meat probe. So it started there, just a very simple kind of, uh, let's see how this goes, right? Because our whole thought process was, you've got the folks in South Dakota when it's minus 10 out there, they don't want to go outside. Maybe it's going to be cool for them to just have a remote control, take a look and see what's going on inside the grill without having to go out there. Or in Phoenix, when it's a buck twenty, uh, being able to just utilize this RF type remote. So that's where it all started, uh, and we got a lot of people hating on us early. People say, "Why would you do that? It's so goofy, you know?" Blah blah blah. So that was the first kind of easy tech that we started to do. And then 2011, we started going, "Let's. How do we do this?" How do we create more technology into this? How do we how do we actually uh, get more distance? So then we started to talk about Wi-Fi and uh, connecting the grill through an app uh, and a server, right? So all of those discussions started off early, you know, late late 2011, uh, 2012. We came out with our first product in 2013 and kind of in, introduced this in uh, phases. And it was so funny early on because there were all these forums and I would sit on those forums and take everything very personally. People were like, look at GMG, they're putting a, a, a Wi-Fi on a pellet grill. Like, why are you doing that? It's so goofy. It's, it's, uh, they would call you all kinds of names. And we just kept it up. We just kept going. And because we realized that meat changes through temperature and time. And if you really understand that, there's a way to replicate this to where you nail your briskets, specifically briskets, very easily. Right. I mean, even tri tips or or uh, pork shoulders, ma- making certain that you're going through that stall at a higher temperature really helps. It just it just does. It helps that meat uh, evaporate uh, quicker. That's really what's taking place. You have this kind of evaporative cooling that's that's taking place, and it's sweating. The meat's sweating through that process. 
So when you can tell somebody, okay, I have a product here where you can take a, uh, let's say a 15 pound brisket and go at 150 for a couple hours, really hit it with some hard smoke, then crank it up to 225 until you hit the stall at 150, let's say, and then crank it up again to 275. All of that in a technology piece, right? Just a profile step that you're just taking from the from the actual uh, app and sending it to the grill and the grill's just running through it all day. And oh, by the way, tell me when it reaches 202 and then cool it down, right? All of that is technology that helps you cook a better brisket. So once I think people started buying these and started playing with them, you know, 2013, 2014, they really started to get a feel for, hey, this is this is the real deal. Like this actually helps me uh, cook better. It helps me not ruin really expensive cuts of meat. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I'm raised in, in Texas and competition brisket smoking is uh, very near and dear to my heart. But let, let's assume for a moment that some portion of our audience is hearing the term stall for the first time. Unpack, unpack the stall. So, you know, for, for folks out there at TV land, this is just like any other hurdle to be solved. Product is aimed at, hey, let's, uh, let's address this key issue. The stall has caused more hair to fall out of more heads of more pitmasters, I think, than probably any other hurdle. What is the stall? And how did you guys think about this and work about solving it? Well, so, so the briskets are, are basically right here in the uh, four, four leg of the cow between the chest uh, and that foreleg. And so basically, you know, there's a lot of interconnected muscle there, right? A lot of interconnected uh, tissue. And what has to happen is you have to break that down in order for it to, to work its way out of there and really get that meat to really start to separate and, and moisten up, if you will. Watching, as I did early on in this, in this business, I, I, I focused on guys like Harry Sue and Mo Kaysan and Sterling Smith and all these guys that were big in the early stages of this, even Myron uh, and Hank uh, Baden, these guys are big in the barbecue world. Watching those guys take that temperature up through the stall. And that stall is usually hitting. Look, if you're cooking at 225, you're going to eventually get there. It's going to stop at 150 and kick it there for hours sometimes before it gets to cranking up to where you want it to get to that 200 internal. But you can actually do this faster through a couple different ways. You can do what's called the Texas crutch, right? You're, you're utilizing foil or, or butcher paper or both. Some people, everybody has an idea. I never say there's one way or the other. Everybody has their feelings, and I, I don't ever want to get into that. But you do that at the stall portion, and sometimes folks even crank up the temperature uh, to get that stall moved through quicker, so you can get into the, uh, the the real cooking of that meat, so it can it can break down and tenderize. And that's that's the the that's the stall. That's what it is. You're working through that stall. And and so you guys, your, your thesis was, hey, if we can build a product that allows people, they're smoking brisket, they're cooking barbecue to produce a superior, would you say it was important, it was more important to produce a better outcome or to produce the same outcome more easily or, you know, both at the same time? Was there a, something you guys were particularly optimized for? Yeah, for, for us, it was real simple. Again, being around all these barbecue competitors and watching these guys in the field, we just thought about how do we make this easy for the everyday backyard cooker? right? How do we make this easy so the person's not intimidated by this big chunk of meat? Uh, and they're not, like you said, having 
all sorts of issues around uh, being concerned about how they're going to deliver this. When you can add technology to this process, you're going to have great product. I'm not going to say you have better product. It's going to be equal, right? And you're not going to fail at this because the technology is really going to help you through it. And that's what it does. That's what people learn is that the technology helps you through it. Yeah, that, that's been my observation is that by demystifying this process, you're making brisket a lot easier to approach for first timers, you know, because you've got even guys like Aaron Franklin, you know, kind of considered like the Jesus of brisket. And, you know, he's saying, hey, my first brisket was terrible. You know, everybody's first brisket is terrible. Green Mountain's thesis is, hey, your first brisket doesn't have to be terrible. You just need to have a good partner in crime. What specifically, from a technology standpoint, did you guys introduce that has made it easier? What What are the things that you're helping to insert into the process that were once quite difficult? And now you've said, hey, look, it doesn't have to be so difficult if we infuse this technology into the process. Well, there are three things. So first, it's the actual temperature control. So having the ability to really control temperature. A lot of the uh, folks early on would do these feed a gram of pellets, and that's going to hit a certain temperature. And what that does is uh, those are those are archaic calculations to uh, temperature control. If you're programming a, a control panel to with the firmware to just do this, you're not taking into account outside temperature, right? So you're doing this based on the fact that uh, at 70 degrees, we're going to push this amount of pellets in there. And it's going to hit this temperature. And when it drops this much, you're going to do more. Well, all of that goes out the window when you're extremely cold or extremely hot, right? So the first thing we did was we thought about that. We said, we need to make calculations based on ambient air. So we put an ambient air sensor on there early on. The ambient air sensor gave us uh, light into uh, to, to programming the calculus-driven algorithms that are in there, which are all PID algorithms that uh, just basically, it's the same thing as a cruise control on a, on a car, right? You put it 70 and you're going up a hill, it knows it needs to accelerate, right? So, and those calculations can be off from car to car, right? You can, you can feel that work different in a, a Chevy maybe versus a, a Honda. It just, it acts a little bit different. It's the same thing in the, in the pellet barbecue business. We saw companies that, that were struggling with this. And so you'd have these massive fluctuations, right? 50, 75 degree fluctuations, but you wouldn't know it because your dial just says, you know, 150, 175, 200, right? So if, you, if, that's, all you, it's, if that's all you see on your dial, you've got a big span of, uh, of temperature variance. And so that was our first thing. How do we solve that? The ambient air, air sensor helped us do that. We also, inside the app, put a whole climate slider. So we would tell the customer, hey, based on where you are, here's a very icy uh, climate setter, climate setting. Here's a very hot climate setting, and there are a few in the middle. Based on temperature, you can dial it in based on where you're at, humidity. All of this plays a role in how your grill is going to uh, react. So again, it's technology. And then on top of that, it's the meat probe, right? Getting focused on the internal temperature of your, of your food. So being able to see what your meat probes are doing from uh, the app is a big deal. But if those if those meat probes are off, you need to be able to calculate them. So we went in there and said, okay, we need to be able to give the customer the ability to say, okay, I've had this, and we've heard it, right? The customer says, I've had this meat probe since 1962, and it's dead on. I know it's dead on. Okay. And yours is four degrees off. Okay, perfect. We'll go ahead and minus that out, plus that out. So giving that, again, utilizing technology. Super simple to change in the app, 
uh, giving the the customer the ability to 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 hone in on that that meat probe that they trusted. That was two, and, and then the final thing is just the profile steps. Having a section where you can go in there and and write, hey, Ryan's brisket, and this is what we do. We do 150 for two hours, and then when it hits an internal temperature of X, then we're going to do this, and then when it hits the stall, we're going to go, you know, up to 225, 250. And then we're going to crank this thing up even more. Oh, and tell me, alert me when it's done. Or you can put notes in there and say, hey, you need to be spritzing every 30 minutes here in this stage. All of that so that you can write all that down in the app, hold that profile forever and repeat it every time. Right. That is what it's all about. All of those things give that backyard consumer the ability to not be intimidated uh, by this cook. You mentioned, I, th- I think you called them naysayers, you know, but the, the, there's always folks that are, well, especially in a space that drives as much passion as barbecue, you know, such a personal thing. You, you mentioned that there was a lot of folks with big opinions, many of them not positive. Talk about product development in an environment, you know, maybe some folks out there are, uh, are, are, are in a space where the consumers are quite opinionated and not always right. You know, this idea that the customer is always right, I think is being very like rethought in our generation. I, maybe the customer is actually frequently wrong. What did it look like to develop a product where you had to kind of develop in the face of the people that you want to sell to a lot of times are the biggest naysayers and you're going to have to win them over. You're going to have to not listen to them because you guys have a, an inkling that maybe you know better um, and that if you, you know, if your vision is realized, they're going to be impressed. They just don't realize it now. How do you develop product in that world? We hear so many other companies talk about interviews and getting close to the consumer. It feels like almost there's a countercurrent of that at Green Mountain where you guys needed to prove the consumer wrong. Is there something to that? There's something to that. But I would say that it, it, when it started off with that remote control, uh, just as many naysayers as there, as there were, there were just as many people going, well done, you know, giving you that, that applause and saying, we like this. How, what if you did, how could you do more, right? Almost, almost kind of pushing us to get to that next step of how can you do more? How can you give us more technology? So I think even though they were the, the, the smaller pieces of that puzzle, you have the people who are dead set on the offsets. They're, they're dead set on charcoal. They're dead set on whatever their way of cooking is. You, you have to tune that out. You just have to. Because you know, there's so many of us, right, that we're just early on going, this is so much fun. Like, this makes it easy. We're spending more time talking to, to family, talking to friends, than, than messing around with all the different steps that you have to do on one of these offset cookers or, or, or some other cooker. So when you start to fall in love with it yourself, you have to believe it. You have to just believe that you need to force yourself to do it more. And I really believe that's, it's the essence of, of Steve Jobs. I mentioned him earlier. Uh, Jobs was one of those guys that he knew what you needed in your life, right? He knew that you needed something more in your life to make communication different, maybe not easier, but different. And I think that we tried to think about that in the same way that we wanted to make cooking more, more fun and and an easier process utilizing technology without the naysayers, just, just forging forward. I, I can't say it any simpler than that. You just, you just go ahead. You just move forward. So, all right. You mentioned Steve Jobs, one of the great, I would call non-technical founders and innovators of all time. 
let's talk about, you know, one of the other great founders and innovators of all time, Jason Baker. All right. So our guest today, you know, we were one of the reasons I was really excited to have you on the show. Number one, I love barbecue. That is a like near and dear to my heart, passion, live in Montana and God bless Montana, but this is a barbecue desert. There is no, the, the, the barbecue culture here is not vibrant, but your background stood out to us as, as we we're researching guests, because your educational background is you got a degree in uh, political science does not scream. This guy is, uh, you know, going to be a fantastic technical innovator. And yet in our pre-interviews and some of the conversations we've had time and again, you know, you've demonstrated a really deep granular understanding of, of what you guys are trying to achieve, how best to achieve it technically. If you were to give guidance to a friend or, or someone out in the audience that's saying, hey, look, I'm interested in tech. I want to take the, this my company in a, in a tech-driven direction, but I don't have that background. I'm not an engineer. You know, I'm not a tech. What guidance would you would you share? Like, how, how have you gotten to this place, you know, starting from, you know, this non-technical background, getting this place? What can you share about your journey? What lessons could you share with that person out there saying, hey, this is interesting to me. This is what I want for myself. How do I do it? I think it's if you have a dream in your mind and, and you have a, a, a dream where you say, this is what I want. And if you're at all afraid of how to get there, don't be. Just seek out the right people. That's the key to everything. Seek out the right people to be around and force yourself to learn, right? Learn the terminology, understand what they're doing, have them dumb it down for you sometimes, right? I mean, that's that's really the key to all of this. When I go back to the time spent with with between hardware and software on this, going back and forth, it was it was a, a constant battle of I've got to figure this out. I've got to understand it well enough to where I can immerse myself in here and get the result that I want. It, it all comes down to the dream. I think when you when you really have that dream in your mind of what it is your what what you want out of your product, what you want your consumer to to be able to play with, you have to just go in hard and learn this stuff. It's that simple. It really is. You don't need a degree on this. You just need to get in the heads of some of these some of these guys who are obviously a lot smarter than you. And that's the key, finding the right people that can help you carry out your vision. And that's that's where it all it all starts. I mean, I think back to I was on my way to law school and a buddy of mine called me up and said, "Hey, what do you think about taking over this bar in at Arizona State University?" And I said, "That sounds like a phenomenal idea, right?" I don't think everybody else was that thrilled about it in my family, but at the time, I wasn't ready. I wasn't prepared mentally to go to school for another three years. Well, at that moment, I looked at that from the standpoint of how do we make this easier? We started doing things from a technology standpoint with with POS and and uh, utilizing you know text on screens and and utilizing ways in which we could we could blast out information to to students around there. We started doing things early on that really took the bar industry that everybody does now. Everybody does everything. But it was early on uh, in kind of a, a podunk bar where we started to, to learn that technology helped people uh, in a lot of ways. So at that point, then moving on into uh, solar, uh, solar was a big part of my uh, journey as well. We started a solar, a solar company here in Arizona and started integrating solar panels on rooftops. Well, you learn real quick that there's a lot of technology involved in this. And when you put them in schools, there are these interfaces where the, uh, the information is being gathered and put on these screens for these kids to learn. I love that stuff. So I just, again, I would, would get on the phone with these engineers. 
I'd learned everything I could so that when I was in a, a sales type of situation, I could talk as, a, as an engineer. That was important to me. N- never saying that I was, just saying I understand how this works. Oh, and by the way, I can I know how to hook all these things up too. There's not a lot to it. So it graduated into Green Mountain Grills where there was just a massive comfort level around technology. So anybody that, you just dream. It's that simple. You just, you dream it up. If it's in your mind, go, go tackle that vision. Just go do it. So said differently, if you feel, if you're kind of reflecting on yourself, if you have a passion for innovation and a passion for the underlying subject matter, those are the prereqs that matter most. And that the playbook is identify your gaps and surround yourself with people that are strong in those areas. Is that a fair, you think, summary of, of Jason's approach on this thing? Very, very fair summary. And I would add to that, make sure that you are a mediator and make sure you are focused, hyper-focused on getting to your goal and knowing, understanding where those stoppages might occur because hardware and software are two different worlds. What, looking backwards now at your time at, at Green Mountain, are there things you got you wish you had approached differently? You know, a lot of things have worked out well. I think you guys are really well positioned. I, I think there's a huge market for what you're doing that I don't think there's any argument about that. Are, are there opportunities you feel like you guys missed or got to too late and lessons you've learned through that process? Yeah, I think there are a lot of lessons you learn. You, you, you learn that, uh, boy, business is a, is a tough thing. And you, you realize that there are a lot of... Uh, pieces out there that that you need to focus. Look, if in hindsight, I'd tell people to, to surround themselves with very good attorneys that can help them navigate through anything you might face in the future and always just put it out there and just really make sure you have all your bases covered. I think that's the key to, if I were to do anything different, it would be go back to those times when we first started talking about all this stuff and uh, make sure you're protected and make sure that that you can hold that technology and not let it go so easily because that's that's something that I, I don't know for me for me I've always thought about Elon Musk and what he's done in that space I love the fact that there's a open source for all of this and that we're moving so quickly to the to the electric car world and it is open source anybody can kind of grab what whose technology they want and do what they want and uh, our business is a little different it, it's it's very driven on profits from other companies. And so uh, patents are important and uh, people are, there's a lot of copying. There's a lot of, you know, figuring out what else, what everybody else is doing. And I think that's, if I were to go back in time, that's the one thing I would change. It's that we, we probably should have protected ourselves a little bit better. Uh, are you, is this, are, ha, has like Chinese knockoffs? Is this it, the, the type of threat? It's, it's all over the place. Yeah. Just, just everything. It, it's, it's just having an, an attorney to, to really, that's hyper focused on protecting your IP enough to where it doesn't it doesn't enter into the into uh, uh, someone else's product. It's that simple on mm-hmm. everything. I mean, it goes from your firmware uh, to you know what you're doing in your app. There are a lot of things that you can you can patent that we didn't know. We had no idea that that we were just blind to that world. And I think that uh, if we if we were to go back in time, we would do that differently. So let's let's uh, transition awkwardly from you know the lesson learned being protect your good ideas so they don't become other people's good ideas. What's next for Green Mountain? What are what are folks going to see 
or can they expect to see as we roll into 22? What are some things you guys are excited about? Doesn't have to be secret sauce, but just kind of broad strokes. What are some things you guys are excited about that folks out there should know about? Yeah, Ryan, we're, we're working on something that nobody ever has ever seen in, in the barbecue world. We're working on something that uh, I'm obviously not going to talk about clearly here, but I'm going to tell you it's, it's going to be something that people look at and they go, those guys did it again. Uh, they, they innovated again, and they did something in a way in which uh, disrupted the market, disrupted barbecue. Uh, that's what we're always focused on. It's, there are some things about pellet grills that we don't like, and we want to make them better. And so very cool. that is, and that, I think that is the, the greatness of not being too big of a company or not being a, a publicly traded company. I think it's nice to be able to talk amongst a group of people who all have the idea of, we want to make better products for the backyard griller. Uh, and we want everybody to feel part of, of our community. Mm-hmm. And, and this is a very strong, tight-knit community uh, who we will, we will bend over backwards to take care of. And I think that doesn't happen in, I don't know where those levels are in business, but I see it diminish as you get too big. And I think that's where we're lucky uh, to still have that, that fire, that passion uh, to create things that people maybe not necessarily know that they need yet, but that's our goal. We, we, we think they're going to need this and that's going to be fun to put out there. So if somebody is listening to this, it's October of 2021, when, when should they be on the the lookout for this information? Yeah, I think probably Q2. I would say Q2 of uh, 2022. That's going to be about when we're going to start uh, uh, really uh, stepping up the marketing and showing people uh, something they've never seen in barbecue before. All right, folks. So if you are looking for a grill for uh, for summer 22, don't make your move until you've checked in with Green Mountain Grills Q2. That's the That's who you want to be checking out. Jason, one of the things we were talking about in the pre-interview is, you know, your this IoT space is something you watch closely, and obviously we're neck deep in it as well. Who who out there in in IoT land is doing good work, especially if it's in barbecue world, that you guys are impressed with that you think others, you know, could or should know about? Hmm. I don't think of anybody actually in the barbecue community outside of ourselves who have really done the crazy technology-driven things, but you know. Outside the barbecue community, it's so cool to see just a full disruption take place. You, you see all these uh, IoT devices that are all connected devices for pets, right? Automatic pet feeders and, and video cameras for pets. I look at that space and I'm blown away by it. I think it's super cool uh, to see a company like Wolfpet or there are a couple other names that are escaping me, but they're doing a phenomenal job of <laughs> you're being able to communicate with your pet even though you're not there, right? And I think that's a, that's a cool space. It's a it's a it's an entity that needed disruption, and that's fun to watch. Jason, one of the products that I use, so I'm a I'm one of these purists that you know I'm not sure Green Mountain Grill loves so much, but I've got a mill scale smoker at home. Uh, you know these guys out of Lockhart, Texas. I've I've been using the Meter Meat Probe. It's app connected probe. Do you have any experience? What are your thoughts on on these guys? Uh, they do a good job. I mean, it's it's cool. There are a lot of products out there like it. So there, I see a lot of knockoffs of that product, but it's it's a great idea. I don't know how well they work uh, over time. Time and temperature uh, for Bluetooth inside that uh, piece, I'm always curious how that works. But same thing with iGrill. I mean, when iGrill came out, what a genius idea, right? To be able to do that. That was really, that was a neat thing to watch. For those that don't know, what did they do? 
Yeah, it's it's just monitoring uh, again, monitoring grill temperature from anywhere. Being able to uh, stick a meat probe into a hunk of meat, and uh, it didn't matter what your what kind of barbecue you had. It could be a propane grill, it could be a charcoal grill, and it's broadcasting through Wi-Fi and giving that information back to a server, and giving it back to your phone. And so, being able to do that, same thing with like a Flame Boss. All these guys were doing all this with all these independent uh, controllers. Flame Boss would go a step further or a fireboard, those kinds of deals where you have seven probes, you know, m- multiple meat probes. That's because there are different temperatures inside the meat. I thought that was neat to see more and more probes figuring out the actual internal temperature. But iGrill did a great job uh, innovating in that space and Weber picked them up and, and they're doing well with that. Mm, interesting. And last question. So, you know, I said barbecue, you know, brings the passion, I think, out of a lot of people. For for folks that have enjoyed the episode here today, how how can folks keep up with your story? You know, where, where's a good place? Uh, is LinkedIn or where do you want to point the, fo- the people at? Uh, yeah, I, we love, I mean, Facebook, we give a lot of information through Facebook. We're, we're, we're pretty good on, on Instagram as well, Green Mountain Grills. Same thing with TikTok. We're starting to get more involved in the social media side of things. But the website, we we really do keep up with that, uh, greenmountaingrills.com as well. And I think we try to to give everybody a clue as to what's coming pretty consistently through the website as well. Green Mountain Grills on TikTok. I love it. You know, almost a hundred percent of guests just say, hey, follow me on LinkedIn. So I know. Uh, I know. Good on you, man. Uh, Jason, I enjoyed it today. Thanks for um, thanks for being on the show. Absolutely. And remember on your briskets, as they as they if they have more marbling. The key is, is that you can go higher temperatures, right? So if less marbling, choice grill, choice type of uh, uh, product, that number is is in that 196 to 198 range. But as you have more marbling, as you get a prime and Wagyu, you can go up to that 205, 206 range. It really can happen. All right, folks, you heard it here. More marbling, more temperature. That's it for today. My name's Ryan. Thanks for being on the show, Jason. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll see you guys on the internet. Thank you, Ryan. You shouldn't have to worry about IoT projects dragging on or unreliable vendors. You've got enough on your plate. The right team of engineers and project managers can change a pivotal moment for your business into your competitive edge. Very's close-knit crew of ambitious problem solvers, continuous improvers, and curious builders know how to turn your ideas into a reality, on time and up to your standards. With a focus on mitigating risk and maximizing opportunity, we'll help you build an IoT solution that you can hang your hat on. Let's bring your IoT idea to life. Learn more at verypossible.com. You've been listening to Over the Air, IoT, Connected Devices, and The Journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player and give us a rating. Have a question or an idea for a future episode? Send it to podcast at verypossible.com. See you next time.